You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, we are now also heard on a radio station in Arkansas. I'll tell you more about that in a few moments. It's a 25,000-watt radio station. Now, I know most of you listeners don't care about watts and all that stuff. You care about MPG, but not watts. Well, the deal about watts is the more watts a station has, the more power it has, the more people can hear it. So, we're on KQEW. 102.3 102.3 FM in Arkansas. The station has 25,000 watts. Sweet! Boy, that can burn you, I'll tell you. Don't want to step in front of that transmitter. You know, you talk about frying. Speaking of frying, I don't know about you, but, you know, when we broke the story on the Paracast a few weeks ago about the fake educational credentials of Phil and Brogno, I expected people to line up to maybe defend him but somehow they're playing the game of shoot the messenger and we happen to be the messenger here prepare out your kevlar gene well you know i wear my bat suit well it has the kevlar the special futuristic kevlar with the memory cloth and all that stuff i'm ready but you have to let this thing roll over you but it's crazy i mean i didn't say that Phil and Brogno didn't go to MIT. MIT said that. So I guess we should blame MIT. Maybe all the flames should be focused on MIT. What about the other educational institutions? Let's go after them too, huh? Or, wait a minute, the military. His military credentials are fake. Let's go after the military and fight them. Hey, we discovered a new school that he claimed he went to, Northeastern. Where's that? I've heard of Northwestern, but I've never heard of Northeastern. Well, all right. Anyway, I figured I'd, figured I'd throw that one in there. The more you look, the more schools, uh, I think, and the more degrees are being claimed. So, I know it's very easy online to get yourself a college degree. You send somebody a couple hundred dollars, they print a beautiful degree. There are also online educational institutions, perfectly, perfectly legitimate. You can't go to class. You're disabled or you're working. You really can't go to class you take your courses online, and maybe you do have to show up at some point in time in the class to deal with some issues. But you get a real degree. It's recognized. Yeah, well. <laughs> the other question I have is, would anyone take Phil Imbrogno's claims less seriously or more seriously if he didn't add all the baggage of fake degrees? Well, that was one of the reasons why I uh, was particularly impressed with his work is because of his scientific uh, credentials and educational credentials. I mean, that to me legitimized certain aspects of his opinion and thinking, although he did toss around some pop culture words like wormholes and portals and things like that fairly liberally, which always kind of struck me as being a little strange. But but I think, yes, uh, Gene, I think all those credentials uh, do tend to Add to the gravitas of a person's, uh, you know, viewpoint and opinion. So, well, then of course, at that particular point in time, some people suggest, well, now we should vet all our guests, submit their degrees, so we can investigate this. We have to set up an HR department, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, and God. the thing is, too, understand. I'm sure that 98 or 99 percent of the people 
who claim to have degrees, undergraduate, advanced degrees, have the degrees they claim to have. So to investigate every degree like that, well, you know, it gets to be ridiculous. It's not something we could do, we could afford to do. And certainly we're not going to ask each person with a military background or alleged military background to send us their credentials. That's also preposterous because, you know, again, the vast majority of people, 98, 99%, I don't have the figures, but I expect I'm pretty much in the ballpark, people who claim to have degrees, people who claim a military background, it's genuine. The only time you question it is if in some other way they do things that make you suspect them. Right. Or they go too far. Maybe that was the downfall of Imbrogno. He went too far. He tried too hard to prove he was what he claimed to be. Yeah. Of course, that, that photograph of him in the MIT sweatshirt is something pathological about it, something sociopathic uh, about the whole thing. I, I just wished it, you know, it would just go away. It's getting ridiculous out there. Well, it's interesting here. I talked several times to Jim Mosley about this. And frankly speaking, other than the book that he co-authored with J. Allen Hynek and Bob Pratt, Night Siege, back in the 1980s, Jim hadn't heard of the other 15 or 20 books he wrote. So to him, Imbrogno was a non-entity, and maybe that's the whole point. Let's, shall we say, make him a non-entity. Except, and I will say it again, if he offers to come on the show and speak the truth and nothing but the truth, and he's not going to be under oath, but you get the point, we'd let him on. Otherwise... Oh, absolutely. That would be uh, that would be an interesting show, Gene. Right. I don't want to hear about the SEAL degree. <laughs> I don't want to hear that he actually went to school under a different name because the UFO paparazzi were going to come after him. But I'm really more disgusted, not so much in what he did, because I think he's out of the picture pretty much by now. It's all these other people who have made online flame wars out of this issue. And the question is why? What's the point? You know, if they can prove he really had those credentials... Okay, we're happy. Well, to that's see the one thing, but sure. that's not going to happen. No, if they can prove no, no, it, I, fine. But otherwise, what do they have to say? Well, I think basically it boils down to they're they're calling this a baby in the bathwater scenario that there's too many people willing to throw all his work under the bus and and just uh, discount everything. And their argument is that uh, you know the guy did do some good work, so you you know we need to. Uh, remember that but how do you take it seriously how how do you know how can you take it seriously sure how do you know if he lies about his educational background he lies about his military background and this is you know one of the issues axiomatic in court you know in court if you prove that somebody on the stand has lied about one or more issues you could use that as legitimate evidence to say he lies here he could have lied there as well yeah, I'm interested to know if he really went to the Middle East, if he really had those experiences in Oman and had dinner with a nephew of the sultan or whatever. Uh, Let's see the, the receipts, the plane tickets. Yeah, or the stamps on his passport. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's some question whether whether those trips took place. So if you can come up with a scenario that isn't true within the work itself, then – you know, <laughs> you might as well just burn your copies of his books. Uh, I, I hate to say that, but uh, it does call everything into question. 
And it'll or, be very or send the books see. back to the publisher and demand a refund, saying you were defrauded. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, let's set that aside. I yeah, know the chattering in the online blogosphere is not going to end. You know, the paper episode podcast will continue to talk about it till the end of time. And somehow we will be the victims. As long as they spell our names right. But we're not going to mention their names. We have a fascinating guest for us today on the Paracast. Tell us about it. Well, Paul Budding is, a, I think, a, a new face on the block here. Um, I just recently uh, was made aware of him by a very interesting paper that he published um, asking and, and calling for a serious new ufology. And I was so struck by his thinking and his very grounded approach to the 64-year <laughs> conundrum that we've been all enamored with for so long. And I think he brought up some really good points in that paper, and he's also since then uh, written another paper. And so I I thought he would be a really good person to get on the show to get a fresh uh, perspective and really look at where this fractious field is headed and what are the elements that we should be looking at that we've been sort of forced for the trees, been ignoring. And I I think this is going to be a really good show, and I'm really looking forward to kicking some of these ideas around. Paul's also a, I guess, a Jungarian um, academic. He's self-taught, but has uh, immersed himself in Carl Jung's work. Okay, and, we're uh, going to get into that. Paul Budding coming up next on The Paracast. Neighbors, if you ever hosted an online meeting, you know how difficult it is to get those meetings started. It's your reputation at stake if anything goes wrong. That's why you need the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. GoToMeeting brought to you by Citrix. Everybody can join a meeting in seconds without any technical headaches. GoToMeeting is so easy, you'll have your first meeting in seconds. See for yourself with this free trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter promo code PODCAST. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. 
Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com, that's Z-E-O-King.com, for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. Well, here we are, uh, another edition of the Paracast, and uh, I'm really pleased to um, have Paul Budding all the way from from Britain. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some interesting papers that he's written recently and also I think we'd like to, uh, at least I would like to get into some of the Jungarian uh, Carl Jung's thinking about uh, archetypes and you know the UFO phenomenon, of course his last book was uh, written uh, about UFOs and I think that we're going to have a fun time with it Paul, why don't you give our listeners a little background about who you are and uh, how you came to start the UFO Institute, uh, which is a, a, I guess, a kind of an umbrella organization that you've set up uh, to, to look at some of these mysteries that we're all in, so enthralled by. So why don't you give us a little background about yourself? I'm self-educated in Jungian psychology. Um, as a previous member of the International Association for Jungian Studies, um, I dialogued a lot with um, an American writer called Robert Segal, um, who was who's a member of uh, the International Association for Jungian Studies. Uh, he's uh, he wrote a little bit about UFOs apparently, and um, in his book Jung on Mythology, even though he um, takes extracts from Jung's writings on UFOs. Anyway, for me, my de- my degree is in social science, and I've trained as a person-centered counsellor. I've got a slight interest in the technological singularity. 
maybe because the reason why I'm here is because uh, I've got interested in UFO, UFO phenomena as well and that paper and trying to start this institute off which is brand new so I haven't really got it up and running yet but I've got good help on the technical side <laughs> start you know the, all the computer side of it uh, from someone called Nathan Wozniak he's very computer savvy therefore he's excellent help anyway that's my background I think <laughs> well how long have you been interested in UFOs Oh, well, that goes back to when I was a child, but I've not been, like, seriously interested in it, um, you know, beyond the hype of it, sort of thing. I mean, the movies, yeah, but getting interested in it to write anything about it is just really... This year, although I will have read about it from the Young Connection over the last few years. And so so this, this whole... Uh recent spat of writing that you've done is pretty much uh, your sort of introduction uh, or introducing yourself to the field. Let's talk a little bit uh, about Beyond the Living Myth from serious old ufology to serious new ufology, which is a paper that you, (laughs) interestingly enough, uh, published on, you know, the United States Independence Day on July 4th of this year. (laughs) That's Which is what brought me brought me to uh, brought you to my attention, and uh, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of background on, you know, how long it took you to come up with this this idea or this analysis of the situation, and what what has prompted you to to go ahead and create the uh, you know the the new the serious new ufology institute as you call it. Uh, it's like, again because I was interested in young before. It's hard to like say when the, all the views formed bit by bit. But the, back, the background, I start off with the psychology side of it, because it's easy to imagine that it's all psychological, especially if you've like, studied young. It's easy to imagine that people are interested in it because it's fascinating, it gives them awe. And I'm sure there's a lot of that that is involved. But, 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 but I don't think it's all explained by that, because it does seem that there is some intelligently controlled craft in the skies, um, as you're probably very, very, very familiar with. So, um, even, for example, Jung says um, that he thinks that conscious and unconscious fantasy play a big role in building up the rumour, and uh, the psychological explanation seems at first that it must be the case. But then he says, um, so far as I know, it remains an established fact supported by numerous observations that UFOs not, not only have been visually, but have also been picked up on the radar screen and left traces on their photographic plate. So it boils down to nothing less than this. The Tiva psychic projections throw back a radar echo, or else the appearance of real objects affords an opportunity for mythological projections. You would often say archetypal projections there, but it's the same sort of thing. Um, uh, but like I say, um, th- there's this uh, projection idea uh, that people are wanting to back up their feelings of fascination like, and defend that, so it's like a modern religion, but, but then again, like I said, there's, there's this um, the, these crafts are seen we see it with Hastings talking about um, UFOs over nuclear facilities in America uh, we see it with Dolan's work on uh, de- going on about declassified documents that show you, that say that UFOs have been chased by the military in America and other places um, nevertheless if, if the ET hypothesis right, what's commonly known as F then that is a coincidence because that's mainly the projection that uh, UFO buffs uh, throw onto the 
what to see in the skies. Um, but there are other theories, though, as you probably know. Um, interdimensional time travelers, so it could be human, it could be secret government somewhere that extraterrestrials, really the trickster. I mean, there's all sorts of theories out there. What yeah. I've what I've noticed in your paper is that you very sort of methodically and very logically address some of the more popular theories and look at the at the possible implications of these particular theories and how perhaps more than there is no one size fits all type answer uh, according to your thinking, and that we should be looking, I think, a little bit more. Broadly at the at the uh, the whole phenomenon and the mystery and and really looking at our motivations, uh, I think you just sort of hinted around at that. I think you use the term "living myth" in your in your paper, which uh, it, it it rings true to me. This has been uh, my thinking for quite some time. Now we're seeing the emergence of uh, of sort of a new model of religion and religious belief, and of course Jacques Vallée. Um, who most of our listeners are quite aware of, uh, did address this in Messengers of Deception, which I think is a very important book that not I, I think not enough people in in the field have read or reread. And so, why don't you give us, uh, you know, from your background as as a Jungarian, uh, someone that has studied uh, and works uh, with with the Jung school of thought in um, psychology, why, why don't you give us uh, your breakdown of of how the extraterrestrial hypothesis myth for instance, appears to you and in, 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 in the role that it plays in the field right now? Oh, it's, very, it's very difficult. I think that um, I think that probably the majority of people that maybe just watch a TV show, maybe don't, um, on some channel, I don't have the name channels on here, but um, they, they might not think about UFO phenomenon much more than from what they see and what they only occasionally see. They might not think about it all the time. But once they've seen a programme like that um, that shows discs in the sky reconstructions, you know, um, that might attach to that. They might attach to that. And they might like the feeling they get from that. And, and that size Jungian in the sense that they, they'll, want, they'll want to believe. It's like wanting to believe in uh, uh, gods or whatever. It's that sort of religious feeling, yeah. I'll tell you what, Paul, we'll pursue this in our next segment. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 cap summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with prepass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without prepass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try prepass free. That's 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at PrizeKitchen.com? Plenty! Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. PrizeKitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to PrizeKitchen.com. Great selection, low prices, free shipping. PrizeKitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We're back with Paul Budding, and his organization is called the Serious New Ufology Institute, and we're exploring belief systems, UFO investigations, Jungian psychology, and lots more. Chris, you want to pick up on this? Well, before we went to break, we were talking about um, people maybe with a casual interest in this subject seeing a show that, that fascinates them and, and creates a sense of awe. So we do have to factor the media in here, I think, at the ground level, because the media is responsible for 
creating belief systems in people that are maybe not motivated enough to do their own research and find out what rings true for them uh, based on their own personal study. They allow the media to sort of do their thinking for them, I guess would be a way to put it. This this is always, to me, has always been, I think, a major uh, stumbling block for the field to move forward. Why don't you address the media and, and the role that the media plays here? Well, I said before, is it also adds to being preferable to believe. So when you get the opinion polls, or do you believe in UFOs, there's probably a, a bias to slanting to say, yes, I do, uh, because that's what you want. So, I mean, I think was it Fox Mulder in uh, X-Files, I think had a poster saying he wanted to believe. Yeah, I want to believe. Yeah, so I think there's there's a bit there's quite a lot of that, and that's tied to the psychology side, obviously. Well, do you think that the way the question is being asked, Paul, skews the response? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I, I think that um, ufology, the UFO phenomenon, can be a one religion. Our, maybe the questions and opinion polls can always skew, but. I think there is a bias towards wanting to believe. But then again, um, I think there's something that's, uh, I think, I believe there's intelligently controlled craft out there, and I don't think it's because of some fascination and awe that's making me think that now. I think it is possible to look at it objectively. But then we come back to the uh, question, um, you might, I mean, Hastings is he's very, very, very intelligent guy, and he's looked at declassified documents involving uh, the uh, nuclear weapons over the first um, nuclear facility sites and so he believes that um, there's intelligent control craft uh, interfering with the uh, nuclear weapons in America I should say before we go on that Robert Hastings, the author of UFOs and Nukes, will be a guest again in the near future on the Paracast he's been on the past, go ahead Paul But he, uh, even, even he um, jumps to the conclusion not for definite, but in credit he says that he's not certain, he's just speculating but even he believes that it's um, ETs from other planets that are doing it. So, so you can look into the subject seriously and come up with the same conclusion by coincidence as people who, like you say, through the media, through the shows on television, were just going at it from, from how it makes them feel, or what it makes them want to believe. You can have by a coincidence the same conclusion. Let's, let's go back a little bit to Carl Jung, because he wrote this book back in the 50s, which maybe three people read, UFOs, a modern myth or something of things seen in the sky. Now, the issue here, of course, the thing that he talked about, and this is where it kind of got maybe a little confused also, he talked of a collective unconscious. Now, for the sake of everyone, we don't want to basically cause your minds to explode here. A collective unconscious, <laughs> it kind of means like a collective belief. Is that correct? Um, Not really, Gene. So how would you describe collective unconscious? Does that mean that the unconscious mind of all the people create the reality? Uh, it's basically um, that which is unknown, but it's more than that. It's, um, Jung thinks that it's innate and already in human beings, in everyone's um, heads, I suppose. It goes beyond Freud's repressed unconscious. He thinks, he thinks it's all archetypes. He thinks it comes from emotions. Everyone's got the same emotions inside them that have the potential to out. I mean, I'm not a classical Jungian, so... <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, uh, he thinks that the archetypes, like, goes beyond personal complexes. So I'm trying to think of an example. Um, well, the, the well, shadow... 
the Shadow is definitely a classic Young Ian example. Yeah, and that would probably be the most basic of the archetypes. Yeah, the and that's why, I've, that's why it's come to my mind, I think. Um, he, he thinks that consciousness is individual, but some, um, because people's virtues is uh, what's most unique about each individual in Young's opinion. Uh, but the Shadow, he thinks, is very similar or the same but across everyone. Therefore, the Shadow would be an archetype of the collective unconscious. Okay, so how do we relate the concept of archetypes, collective unconscious, and everything to UFOs? How did he envision UFOs in relation to all that? Uh, more simply, that it was a projection of meaning into the skies, I would say, <laughs> in, in a very modern dress. So right. in the, well, it's it also a, it, it's a manifestation of the mandala, which is also an archetypal, oh yeah. an archetype uh, found collectively uh, in all cultures. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the things that he postulated was that the mandala is a symbol of completeness. And um, with the Cold War, you know, really heated up uh, in the early to mid 50s, um, I think he wrote the book in 56 or 57, if memory serves me correct. But with the Cold War heating up, he surmised that possibly, uh, you know, people were projecting this this positive sort of symbol of completion uh, into the reality um, as a way to sort of counteract the fear that was uh, pretty palpable, I think, during the Cold War, and and that the the mandala archetype is one that um, obviously he identified the UFO shape, the shape of the disc, the discoidal. Yeah shape as being a, a, a physical representation of a sort of a space age mandala for lack so, of a better term um, also would well, you also state that maybe we projected UFOs originally because they would come here to save us from ourselves we couldn't get out of the cold war the threat of a nuclear catastrophe so ET had to come down here and take care of it uh, yeah the, the mandala uh, point that you made was a very good point um the shape of it as well, being like a disc. And Jung was very big on compensation. So, like you say, for the the wars, going for the Cold War and what have you, he uh, thought that this was very much a compensation phenomenon. But he did also seem to think that ultimately there was something physical to it that was real. This was an issue in one of Major Donald Kehoe's books, okay, where he basically had to get reassurance or reassure Dr. Young back in the 50s that he believed UFOs to be not just something that we imagine, but something real. It's tracked on radar. It's a physical phenomenon. It's a real spaceship. He tried to make that line of demarcation. Um, he, he did, but he didn't go into it. He stuck with the psychology, but you can see from some of the things he said, um, I quoted at the start of the show, um, one of the things he said showed that he did actually accept that there was something physically real to it. Um, but he stuck mainly to the psychological because he always said that he was first and foremost a psychologist. So how so do we separate the psychological UFOs from the ones that have a external physical reality? Or can you? Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, well... Um, I, I can't. I, Jung didn't try to do that. Uh, he just said that, um, despite the fact that it was mainly psych- that it was psychological, there was a probably. I think he thought there was a coincidence of the projection. 
of uh, meanings, the skies, the mandala, the UFO, what is projected onto them, the fascination, the awe, and all of that. And he, think, he thinks there's also something real to it. And to disentangle that would be a very difficult job, I think. Um, I, I, nevertheless, um, he, didn't, he never actually went into um, anything about the ETs. So whether he was... I think he was just going about as far as what I am in saying that there's something to the the intelligently controlled craft. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this in our next segment. Paul Budding joining us, and he has this organization which is called... How's that? It's the Serious New Ufology Institute. There you go. Paul Budding joining us. Please send your comments about the show to news at thepowercast.com, news at thepowercast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan, in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide? Go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, 
corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Don't let summer be a bummer. Stop sunburn pain, poison ivy, and mosquito bite itch, and the burn of athlete's foot with just one Safeall natural first aid product, Dermatol. Many GCN listeners have already discovered how effective Dermatol is as a natural, non-acidic way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many skin problems. Now this special offer. Buy one bottle of Dermatol. Get one bottle free. Call 1-800-217-6677 and mention GCN. Dermatol is the must-have first First aid product for your preparedness kit. Made in America by Americans, Dermatol's soothing, rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed. Call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. And ask for the GCN Buy One, Get One Free Special or use coupon code GCN at checkout at DermatolUSA.com. Spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L-U-S-A.com. Efficient, economical, effective. Spray it all with Dermatol. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Hilly Rose, and I hope that you do listen to the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal. We continue with Paul Budding. The organization is called the Serious New Ufology Institute. And I'm going to want to draw a line of demarcation here between old ufology and new ufology because we used to use that term back in the 60s. I don't know if Paul knows that. Co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. At that point in time, in the UFO field, we talked about E.T. coming here in physical spaceships. And for whatever purpose, okay? They're tracked on radar, sometimes photographed, leave physical traces, etc. Some of us came up with a new ufology concept, and people like John Keel were involved in this, Jacques Vallée, talking about the less-than-physical aspects of UFOs. So, Paul, I put the question to you. When you talk about serious old ufology before we define new ufology, serious new ufology, how do you define serious old ufology? In the paper that I wrote, um, I would say that the declassified documents, which are actually quite new and fresh, but nevertheless, have accumulated all these cases on top and top and top of each other, and yet the field's never really progressed. It's not really, it's not really convinced the sceptics. So I think thinking this is a declassified documents have come into the open we can say that um, it seems to be clear to quite a few new academics on the scene that um, military jets have been scrambled that are to chase intelligently controlled craft that are unknown now when more and more of these cases build up in the future you could define that as the old ufology I mean not, not to discredit it like um, I don't know, a political party might refer to old Democrat or old Labour or something. And they're usually said to discredit. It's not in this, that sense as such. Uh, but nevertheless, serious new ufology might 
might, you might want to think like we know about these cases there's one on top of the other all the time at least um, Nick Pope the, uh, the British most famous British ufologist perhaps says um, that about 5% of these cases are genuine and he likes the books that Leslie Keane writes and you could say that uh, Leslie Keane and Dolan they're writing about serious old ufology and it's time at least to think well what are these uh, craft that would be serious new ufology what what do they represent are they ETs or are they time travellers are they secret human government nevertheless just because I categorise this I'm not trying to sound like well, well there we go then everything's sorted because you might say that um, some of the cases look, look clearly as um, how can I put it um, the Congress lights for instance in 1952 they look like possible there's something clearly going on here. There's UFOs over Congress. It's a national security breach. And and also the Hastings cases we refer to about the deactivation of the nukes, they look like clear, clear cases. But nevertheless, there's still that problem remaining that we cannot say what exactly they are, if they're ET or not. So I, I categorise it, and it might sound like a good idea, and I think it is a good idea to categorise but it doesn't give us the answer of what are they, and that's serious ufology's question, I would say. Well, how do you go uh, about separating out potential different players here in this scenario? Because it, it does appear to me, at least, and I think a lot of people, that we're dealing with something infinitely more complicated than a, a simple ETH, uh, one-size-fits-all answer. Uh, we could have secret military craft that have uh, exotic capabilities, possibly re- uh, remotely piloted. Um, there is some evidence to suggest that there is a percentage of sightings misconstrued as UFOs that are actually very terrestrial in nature. We also have objects that appear to be metaphysical in, in, in some sense. They can appear and disappear. Um, they can morph from one shape into another shape. Um, they can appear sometimes on radar, but other times they don't appear on radar. Sometimes you'll have a group of witnesses and only, uh, you know, maybe... Nine out of ten of the people will see the actual object, and, and there are people that actually can't even see it. So how do you separate all this out? Uh, how do you come up with some sort of litmus test uh, that's going to help separate out each one of these potential players? It's very difficult. I think there's two key um, theories, and one's I can think of by Nick Cook, not Nick Pope, Nick Cook, and he um, is very familiar with um, human anti-gravity technology going back till the end of the Second World War. Because you know that, um, you'll probably know yourself, that um, America captured lots of German Nazis, um, scientists, and they were working on projects to do with disks. Of course, the Nazi scientists basically created our space program. Oh, yes. And uh, they were working on disks, apparently, according to Nick Cook. Uh, and this anti-gravity technology, um, there was a project uh, called the Bell, that was, and Nick Cook claims it was able to distort time and space, this craft. So there's a lot of human technological side to it, I think. But nevertheless, um, that guy Hastings, again, he, he disputes all this. He says that um, such technology couldn't possibly exist as far back in, as the 40s, that he sees, sees the UFO's manoeuvres as doing says that couldn't possibly be done in the 40s, and never mind the 40s, it couldn't be done in the 80s, he claims. So there's quite a big split between someone like Nick Cook 
and someone like Robert Hurston is yeah, they both seem to make good points to me. So, yeah. yes, continue. Well, Nick Cook, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with him, for many years was the chief investigative reporter for Jane's Defense Weekly, which I think is probably still has the record of being the oldest publication that's been continuously published. He's done a, a number of very good documentaries on the UFO subject and on you know advanced potential black broad, uh, project type programs. Uh, one of them I actually uh, was in called Billion Dollar Secret, which I do recommend. It's online. You can see it on, on YouTube. So Hastings also brings up the point, which you bring up in your paper, that if it is U.S. exotic black technology, why would they be going over their our own nuclear weapon sites and, and messing around with uh, turning uh, turning nukes off and that sort of thing. It, it doesn't make sense to Hastings that we would be doing that to ourselves, and that's a point well taken. But, but perhaps there is some sort of psychological warfare program going on, testing the, uh, the effectiveness of our, of our personnel inside these. Uh, maybe these are tests that they're enacting on, on our own personnel. So there, there are possible scenarios that could be looked at that would fit into a black budget, you know, exotic terrestrial craft scenario. But uh, it, is a, it is an interesting point that he does raise about why would we want to turn off our own nuclear weapon systems or freak out the personnel who are manning them because once something scary like that happens, uh, you do tend to you know, ratchet up the potential for some sort of accident to happen and maybe some of these things get fired off uh, for some reason. You, 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 back in the Cold War, you just, you know, we got to the brink on quite a number of occasions that most people don't know about. And, um, you know, this whole political situation was a powder keg. So he, I am in the midst of reading his book, and I'll tell you, there are quite a number of very well-documented um, examples of overflights of these types of weapons facilities and actual nuclear power plants and whatnot. Can you come up with an idea of how to possibly, uh, you know, look at anecdotal information uh, in the old ufology way and possibly glean some sort of indication of what these things are based on the type of report it is? Do you, do you think that's even possible? Uh, well, I'm stuck between Nick Cook and um, Robert Hastings on, on this, their arguments. Like you say, I have thought about the point that why would um, American intelligence um, shut down their own nukes so that's what, um, one to Robert Hastings as such um, he said there was a psychological test and I've heard that said by I think Jack Valley um, concerning Rendlesham Forest uh, which is Nick Pope's um, favourite pet topic in UFO, UFO phenomenon know about Rendlesham Forest in the early 1980s um, in Britain. It was a US military base. And uh, craft actually was supposed to have actually landed. So that sounds like very convincing proof. Um, almost like they, well, not, not almost like landing at the White House, but the next nearest thing, landing on a military base and everyone getting to see it. And Jack Valley thinks that that case is so convincing that that must have been a psychological test. So the point you raised there about psychological test, it's an interesting theory for some cases. I think one of the arguments made is that over the years, in addition to quote-unquote real UFOs, there have been some instances of disinformation, instances where 
someone or somebody is playing a game, testing our reactions to different things, maybe testing our reaction to a possible genuine visitation by E.T. We'll have to find out more. Paul Budding joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is the second hour of the Paracast. The host is Gene Steinberg, co-host Chris O'Brien. Paul Budding is our guest, and he is exploring new ufology and old ufology. And I think one question I would ask right up front before we get on with our discussion is, Paul, do you think that we are too stuck in the old ufology when it comes to UFO investigation? It's like we're repeating the same stuff we heard back in the 1950s over and over and over again. To a large extent, yes, but I cannot say that. I think the declassified documents have brought um, maybe some people onto the scene, onto the UFO scene, who wouldn't otherwise be here now. And uh, a brilliant example of that is Michio Kaku, who endorsed Leslie Keane's book. So I think that the declassification of documents has uh, been a big help to the UFO, ufology field. And it's also encouraging some people who have looked a lot into the uh, phenomenon to you know, come out and say they endorse it, and Kaku's a great endorsement. There's a theoretical physicist, a uh, popular, popular theoretical physicist. He looks into all kinds of areas, from hyperspace to the singularity. He's well-respected in, within hard science, and he's endorsed. He said that uh, the UFO phenomenon is real. So I think it's making very slow progress, but... I'm not one of those who says that disclosures come in imminently, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole topic of, of conversation right there. So what do you think of the uh, exopolitical movement and the disclosure movement? Do you think it has a snowball's chance in uh, Iraq to uh, stay stay unmelted? On the Internet, I've noticed that if you look back, you see it's going, there's going to be disclosure in 2008, 2009, 2010. So that really is disheartening. It makes me think it's probably not the case. And besides, I'm not sure that the um, US elites, which usually aimed at the president, etc., 
I'm not sure that they know what is going on. Um, the I think Clinton, Bill Clinton, when he was president, once answered someone, if I remember, like Sarah McClelland. Um, I haven't got her name in front of me, so I hope I got that right. She asked why he hasn't done anything about disclosure, and Bill Clinton said something like, Sarah, there's a government inside the government, and I don't control it. it was, that's very close to the exact quote. <laughs> um, and, if, and if that's true, which I, my, my, my guess is that's what, that, that is the case, um, so I think that I think that the US elite, the Obama now, I don't. I think they probably know that there's something out there that's, in, that's unknown, it's intelligently controlled, it's craft. I think they must know about what stuff Hastings goes on about. They must know about the Congress lights from the early 50s. But I don't think that they can announce anything because they can't say that there's something out there that messes on with our nuclear weapons and invades our airspace and flew over Congress um, but we don't know what it is that just wouldn't sound it's like the sort of thing that um, an American government or any other government could announce Well the other question always gets to be this Paul is governments in general tend to be inefficient incompetent, they are reactive not proactive so can they keep a secret for 64 years? I think that the answer to that is that the craft that's um, so advanced it would have to be that that craft would have to uh, land crash in a city or something like that. Um, I think that the fact that they haven't had to announce, haven't had to disclose, speaks for itself. Right. The last thing governments want to do is admit that they're uh, impotent in any situation. Um, one thing that I've kind of noticed is all these other countries that have been slowly declassifying their files. I've always had a hunch that this is to try to keep the heat off the U.S. Um, every, you know, six to nine months, another country releases another batch. I think it's just slowly um, keeping the, uh, you know, the glare of uh, publicity off the U.S. government and uh, that these other countries are slowly releasing this information as part of a, a very well-coordinated program, uh, probably, as you pointed out, orchestrated by the U.S., but having said that, uh, you know, again, I, I restate my question. Is there any way using the tenants and the approach of old ufology, is there any way looking at anecdotal information to determine what it is that we're looking at definitively? And I think, I think it's, it's more of a rhetorical question because I don't think there is. And you have pointed out in your paper that um, that we need to start rethinking and, and looking at this whole thing from a new and fresh perspective. Why don't you give us uh, dive in a little bit more into your thinking about how we're going to move forward with this new ufology? There's so many areas of this uh, phenomenon, in my opinion. I mean, for example, um, talking about the difference between Hastings and Cook. And one of the things that comes to my mind, I mean, we've said something that, that um, is a plus for Hastings, uh, the fact that why would America mess with its own nukes? One of the things for Cook is that most of the phenomenon is concentrated in the US, which again goes back to the, I'll get to your question in a second, it goes back to the capturing the German Nazi scientists. But uh, it's not concentrated in the US, we know that. Entirely, but but there's, if you go on YouTube, um, for me, I see more cases in... A lot more. I know that the US is a bigger country than Britain, but more than four or five times as many cases seem to, uh, on YouTube seem to be 
from America and from the UK. And obviously, it's an example I would give um, coming from the UK myself. But a lot happens in countries where we're not yeah. so attuned to Facebook and YouTube. Sure, South America has a lot of sightings. Yeah. Uh, Especially where Argentina and Bolivia come together. I suppose from my experience, there seems to be a, a, disto- a, a slant towards the U.S. over, say, Europe. Um, I can't speak for places like China or what have you, um, or for Brazil and so on. But to get to your question as well, um, about what, can you just repeat that question, please, <laughs> just to refresh your memory? Well, in other words, can we use the same methodology that we've been using ineffectively for 64 years to solve an anecdotal cases. I mean, what do you propose, what new approach would you propose to to attempt to move this whole game forward? Uh, and it is a game. <laughs> and it does need to be moved forward. I've, Of course, I'm sure many of our listeners on the Paracast are tired of hearing me sound like a broken record saying the wheels broke, it's off the vehicle, we need to... Uh, get creative and get outside the box and, and come up with new approaches uh, yeah, to the subject it's, matter. It's a, it's a good question. And uh, I think that, um, I think that it's slow progress. That's my opinion. You can might disagree, but I think that it has moved on since we've had the declassified documents. You know about Leslie Keane's book work and Dolan's work? Sure. Well, we've had Richard Dolan and Leslie Keane on our show. So we're quite aware of what they have. But the always question I always see here is, Yes, we've seen the book, especially Leslie Kane's book, because it became a New York Times bestseller. She was on all the major TV stations. But the concern and the interest seemed to die down after a while. This is what always happens in the UFO field. Over the years, an occasional book basically bubbles to the top, and after a while, it's gone again. Communion. Do, do you agree, though, that the, the field hasn't moved a little bit um, very little. I still see the same issues being discussed today. Major Donald Kehoe was talking about disclosure. In the book Flying Saucer Conspiracy in the mid-1950s, I don't see that what he says in that book is all that much different, except he focused more on military cases. That's one thing about Kehoe. Because of his background, he was focusing on cases that he got from his military contacts. Today, of course, there's no Project Blue Book, and most of the cases we hear about are civilian cases, except occasionally maybe an airliner-based case. Now it's civilian, then it was military, but again, that was in the orientation of the presenter. And the same was true, of course, with the books from Edward J. Ruppelt. There was the original book and a slight update with three more chapters. That was very controversial, but that's more than we want to get into. We have Paul Budding, and he's associated with an organization he set up about UFOs called the Serious New Ufology Institute. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fake Magazine provides true reports of the strange 
region unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits. Magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches. First aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bale, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with prepass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without prepass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try prepass free. That's 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at prizekitchen.com? Plenty! Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. Prizekitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to prizekitchen.com. Great selection, low prices, free shipping. Prizekitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes... We have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. 
That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We're back with Paul Budding and his organization's called the Serious New Ufology Institute. You're talking with Gene and Chris. Paul, just a question. Your institute, is this just you or do you have an organization behind you? My idea, and there's someone called Nathan Wozniak, he's Canadian, and he's the technical brains behind it, setting it up on the online, and we're hoping to progress from, from there. It's, he's managed to get it online, and we've got a few papers on there, um, but it's, it's very early stages. But we've made a start, so that's, that's good. Well, we'll have to get a banner up uh, so people know exactly where to go to find out more and read uh, your papers. I... I Again, that's how I first became aware of you is um, I think Patrick Weege at The Anomalist may have uh, posted a little notice about your paper. And I immediately said, hey, Gene, we got to get Paul on, on the show and kick around some of these ideas and try to move this whole <laughs> morass forward down the road a little bit. Needs a little bit field. of fixing. The morass is just getting worse. <laughs> we were talking before you came on, Paul, about an incident which I'm not going to repeat in great detail about a long-time UFO investigator who had phony educational and perhaps military credentials. And that's, of course, an issue that has always confronted us in this field. So many people come around, and maybe it's a small percentage of the whole, but we just hear about them more. They come around, they make fake claims. They have fake credentials. So how, in your opinion, Paul, do we deal with the frauds? Spank them. <laughs> with people who... Excuse who, me. There we go. With people who are claiming to be researchers and claiming to, or claiming to have seen things. More claiming to be a doctor, claiming to have certain educational credentials. People like that. And you check it out and you find out <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. Uh, how, well, how can you take any of their work seriously? Well, yeah, exactly. You can, all, you have, all you can do with that is ignore them. <laughs> Hope they go away. Yes. Okay, but you yes. have the web presence, Paul. Do you hope to put together a group of investigators to go through the information we have and try to present findings and such? Where is your end game here? Oh, I don't think I've got an end game. It's just that people can come on, and as long as they're roughly, I mean, just vaguely think that I've got a point about needing to move it past accumulating cases, and as long as they've got something to say and something they might be able to contribute then I think it's worthwhile listening to anyone, basically, as long as they can... And I'd say if they could write a paper, that would be ideal. I mean, just you can't, you can't tell people to come up with the exact answer because that's too unrealistic. Well, is that it's, also the other issue here? Maybe it is that we have to find ways to take what's there, that we have the evidence. It's all out there. And it's not just Roswell, New Mexico in 1947 or something. There is enough information out there today that if there were no more UFO sightings, we'd still be able to do investigations. Yeah, I sometimes wonder what um, people are wanting. I think some people, it's clear, they want disclosure from the, um, the American president. But I think that some people maybe think that that's not necessary, that they can put this all together themselves. Now, I've got so far with that argument, but I stop short of saying they are ET, they are time travellers, they're interdimensional, they come from some secret government. But... Um, I can get so far, therefore, because I think that they are intelligently controlled craft. They don't say anything about the beings or anything like that, or if it's artificial intelligence. Uh, 
somebody I know who believes that theory um, to a certain extent, but isn't certain. Um, so I see anomalies within anomalies, and I think that some of the anomalies are the best cases. And the Congress lights uh, is a very, very good one. I cannot explain that. And actually, Nick Cook, who um, we've been saying goes on about the human explanation, um, largely an American explanation, I think. He, even he, when he did a Channel 5 documentary on British television, at the end of it, he, con- he purposely contradicted himself, showed the footage for the, from the Congress lights and said, I must admit, I cannot explain this within my theory. So even he, when he at least at the time he made that programme, could see something that contradicted his own theory and was unexplainable. So... No, maybe they are uh, collective manifestations of mandala images flitting around just to play with our heads. <laughs> maybe Jung was right. <laughs> I still want to move this ball down the field. I mean, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you know, I've been championing out-of-the-box thinking uh, ever since I became uh, involved in this field uh, almost 20 years ago now. And it's really difficult, I think, I should kind of stress this point. It's very difficult in a field that has no, no real credentialing uh, process to sometimes wade through a lot of the, um, the noise and uh, try to identify that signal within the noise. And especially now with digital you know, Photoshop and, and other uh, After Effects and other uh, digital imaging programs, uh, it, we're getting more and more hoaxes. More people are willing to spend time to try to fool everyone else into believing that uh, their little art project is reality. And do you think that we should try to organize ourselves somehow? I think Leslie Keene brought this up in her book about some sort of organization that would be tasked with... Uh, Investigating the better cases and and trying to weed out the uh, you know the the signal from all that noise. I mean, what what sort of approach? I mean, in a you know sort of a tangible, realistic way. I mean, uh, what sort of approach would you envision? Let's say you had an unlimited budget, uh, and and they said, Paul, how would you spend X amount of dollars to accomplish your goal of trying to ascertain what we are dealing with? What would you do? Uh, well, I think that it's a shame that more of the top scientists aren't interested in it because that would help because people naturally um, project onto them sort of um, professionalism, authority, um, knowledge. I mean, we, um, people accept um, gravity and what have you, they, 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 not just because it's real, but because people have said it's so, it's Newton's, a lot of anything. And I think it just feeds down eventually. I think the more people like that, top scientists who say things, that's why I mentioned Taku before, then the more people will feel it's okay, it's agreeable, it's familiar, it's consensual. But you, UFO phenomenon, as it's always been, as it is now, is nothing like that. And that's a big problem. So I think that would be my answer to that question. That would, but you cannot force these people to give up their well-paid careers to look into a topic that they don't want to. So I think that's a difficult one to overcome. Uh, so you're, ta- you're talking about getting uh, legitimate science involved directly. Well, if we can't get the top dogs, maybe we can get their research uh, assistants or their graduate students or something. <laughs> Interest some I of think those, we sometimes uh, think that the research assistants are the ones who do really all the work. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. 
yeah, it's probably, it might be true, but um, I'm just saying what would help for the masses to be convinced. So I'm not saying that um, other people can't do a good job, but nevertheless they might find it harder, if not impossible, to convince. I'll tell you what, we have to convince our benefactors of a few things. So we're talking to Paul Budding. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in. in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. A novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Is your church, school, or organization desperately looking for new fundraising ideas? Tired of the same old candles or candy, taking orders, inventory, and low profits? Well, here's great news. 10X Fundraising guarantees 10 times traditional profits with zero hassle. For an amazing free bonus, free shipping, and an extra 10% off, enter GCN when you go to 10xfundraising.com. That's the number 10, the letter X, fundraising.com. Or call 800-480-8797. Visit 10X Fundraising for 10 times a profit today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. 
Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can. We're back with Paul Budding, UFO investigator, looking at the new ufology, trying to get things together with Gene and Chris on the Paracast this week. Chris, maybe we could segue into some of the questions we have from our audience in the Paracast forums. I think we had a lot of people scratching their heads because we only got really one question, which uh, is highly unusual for the show. I think think the whole idea of... uh, Someone who's uh, a, a student of uh, Jung's psychology might have been <laughs> a little daunting for some of our forum posters. We, we do have uh, quite an extensive forum at forum.theparacast.com with uh, thousands and thousands of participants. Here's what we do when we know we have a guest scheduled. What we try to do is put something in our forums in a folder or thread called the question bank. So if you go to forum.theparacast.com, forum.theparacast.com, you sign up. It costs nothing to sign up. You just have to agree to be a mensch. (laughs) It's free. You don't get bombarded by emails. I think the worst we do is we send out a reminder every 45 to 60 days saying, gee, you haven't posted anything. Wouldn't you like to do that? That's about as bad as we get, about as obnoxious as we get. So we set up these threads where you can post questions to forthcoming guests. Now, some have asked, why don't we do this on the telephone, which we're capable of doing. And I think the problem with that is it restricts us in scheduling because then we'd have to do the show live and the guests would have to be here at that particular point in time, which may work for a daily show, but not necessarily for a weekly show. So we have the flexibility this way. And also, you know, when you take phone calls, it's harder than to screen the calls. You get occasionally a few wackos. Again, it's good for a daily show. I don't think so much as a weekly show. Chris, you have that stuff? I do. Okay. This comes from Boomerang, who's uh, a fairly new member of the forum. He joined here in January. And he has two questions, one of which I think we've kind of addressed a little bit, but um, I'll go ahead and ask it uh, as uh, the first question. What's the difference between Carl Jung's concept of UFOs as psychic projections versus common hallucinations? That's a bit of a softball question, but uh, I'll ask it. Well, the projections, it's, it's sort of like, it's not a hallucination. You're not actually, you don't have to actually, I mean, you, you see the UFO in the sky, so it is, it is that's an unidentified flying object, but then you project onto it what you think it is. Also, you're projecting emotion attached to it so that you 
so it fixes in your head like you really like the image um, so you say, you think you project fascination and awe onto it mystery you did see something whereas with an hallucination you didn't you didn't really see it so that's the answer to that okay so let me try to help define this a bit better Paul alright so if you see something that's a projection is your mind coloring that image so you're not seeing what's there you're seeing what you expect to be there what you believe will be there um, maybe it's what you want to be there and what's and also there's a cultural factor so that all fix it that all fits in with UFOs now I think when I hear this about the movie Contact with Jodie Foster plays this astronomer who meets E.T. towards the end of the film but E.T. comes in the form of her late father and E.T. says well you wouldn't be able to accept what we really look like so we're coming here and we are presenting ourselves in a way that you understand so the question would be then do we imagine UFOs to be something other than they are or do they assuming there is a they make themselves to be something other than they are that goes beyond the sort of psychology that I look into it goes beyond the projection side of it if, if they're changing themselves into something that uh, they are not or that they can just change themselves into and that's like really paranormal and come from our perspective in early 21st century western world that would be something for the science fiction fans I think to, to look into which, although I'm not slagging that off, because science fiction often becomes science fact. <laughs> well, every time you look at the Star Trek communicator and you think of the clamshell cell phone, <laughs> or that little handheld device in Star Trek Next Generation in the 1980s, and the iPad. Right. Yeah, science fiction comes science fact. I've got a friend who's very interested in the singularity, very interested, you know, Kurtzweil's singularity theory. But to go back to um, the point you were saying before, about um, what we should do to get to get ufology moving, to get it advancing. And I mentioned about scientists. One of the things that scientists really would like to see, I think, those who would be willing to take an interest in it, is a more, is an agnostic position on what actually it is. I think when they see, I think their view of the field has all been already made their mind up about the ET hypothesis. Right. I think that puts a lot of them off. Because like to yeah, be objective. I agree. I absolutely agree, and plus it's the uh, replication of data. It's a repeatability factor, too. If you can't repeat something and show that uh, your hypothesis is correct and then have other people be able to do it, scientists tend to get bored real fast, and they don't, uh, <laughs> they don't tend to pay attention uh, like maybe they should. I think, I think by getting scientists involved, I think one of the things that, that you're hinting at here, but you didn't really say overtly, is that is that there is a certain amount of credibility that does go along with um, with world class scientists getting involved in any field of endeavor? It definitely um, it it brings a, a kind of a sense of gravitas to the subject that uh, it might not have if they weren't involved. So I think one of the things that that you know has really been a major stumbling block, as you've just brought up, is this reliance on the ETH, and that goes back to one of my early questions about the role of the media. I think the media has been involved in really perpetuating this one-size-fits-all theory. And, you know, it just it makes me not want to watch these shows uh, because it gets pretty old uh, <laughs> seeing this uh, trotted out 
uh, time and time again. Of course, as many of the listeners know, I'm uh, more of a you know a person that's more into outside of the box thinkers uh, like John Keel, Jacques Vallée, um, and to a lesser degree, people like Paul Devereaux, who uh, wants to factor in the whole idea of maybe some sort of unde- as yet undefined natural phenomena, maybe maybe involved. Uh, Trevor James Constable and his idea of sky critters, that maybe we're dealing with some sort of life form that can manifest in, in a variety of ways. These are potential explanations I feel deserve at least um, some sort of looking at. And, and I think that there's, um, there's a lot of creative ways to approach this whole subject that, that really are not getting their due in the media. And I think the media is too uh, involved in entertaining people and sort of spoon-feeding them what they think they want to hear. And I think that that's self-defeating. It gets into a uh, feedback loop that does not move the field forward, and I think 64 years have proven that. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, people like yourself who are attempting to look at this in new and different ways, I think this is a really good indication to me that there is hope. You're uh, not an old fogey like Gene and me. You're, you're Speak for yourself, Chris. I am as old as the hills, and I was here before the hills. Before well, they were Paul's, alive with the Paul sound is of not music. over. I, I'd be surprised if you were over forty. Uh, we're both over fifty, so so we're in the next. Huh? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Good. Uh, good. So we need arms. more young young blood and and young bucks in the field here. Uh, sure. You know, pushing us old fogies to start uh, thinking a little bit more creatively and out, outside of the box. Here's Just part two. Of, when they were saying what doesn't help, I was thinking the British tabloids won't help much in the face. <laughs> yeah, That's, oh boy, don't go there. <laughs> um, on, on, on the psychology side, um, the, I'm thinking it's the scientists. Um, you know about the Milgram experiment all them years back in America? That shows how yeah. much people, um, what's the word, respect scientists' views. So that's... That, that's yeah. That's, Sometimes uh, scientists can get a little outside of themselves, or they're they're only human. And we'll get into uh, more about the human scientists, or maybe the non-human scientists that are coming here, if there are such things, and lots more. Paul Budding is our guest. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. The largest part of gaining radiant health is detoxification. You can drink ionized water, cleanse your intestines, eat a perfect diet, and even take lots of quality supplements and in many instances only make minimal progress. 
What is the key to detoxifying your body of mercury, heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs? It is glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant used to detoxify your entire body. It stops free radicals, keeps cells young, and reduces inflammation. One World Way protein powder may be able to raise your glutathione production by 64% or more. One World Way is more effective than any other whey protein powder on the market because it is unheated and from grass-fed cows. All other, quote, cold-processed whey protein powders have been heated and damaged by 15% or more. One World Way comes in three delicious flavors. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop. Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA. But Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're back with Paul Budding. We're exploring the new ufology myth or not. We'll have to see. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. That question we started long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away or a dimensional reality from Boomerang, was there more to it than that? There was. There was a a second part, which is pretty interesting. Now, this this shows creative thinking. Is it true that Jung came to believe that instead of us imagining the consciousness behind UFOs, the consciousness was imagining us? Ah, uh, I know. You're getting that from memory, dreams, reflections, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
he says that in Memories, Dreams, Reflections towards the end. Yeah. Is that where you've got that quote from? Well, it's just a question from one of our forum forum yeah, posts. Yeah, well, that's, Young did say that. He's, he says a lot, though, so... <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, that's it's where like, you're... We're the UFOs in their reality, in other words. Yeah, your listener has hit the nail on the head in the sense that he's right that Young said that in Memories, Dreams, Reflections. He's sort of a biography. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, Young, though, just to, if you want the answer, I think Young would want to hear. <laughs> he would say that his work that he wants people to read is his collected works. He was very strict about that for some reason. Um, and Memories, Dreams, Reflections was like more populist, I suppose he would say. Um, nevertheless, you might argue, you might say, well, if, if he doesn't think it, why say it? But nevertheless, it's his collective works that he always says he wants to be remembered by. I mean, in Memories, Dreams, Reflections, he does go to town, he really goes a lot at his most um, paranormal experiences, his experiences of ghosts, dreams that came true, precognition, synchronicity, telepathy. And yeah, he mentions the UFO phenomenon in there as well. But yeah, you listen. One issue that follows, Paul, is that how do you sell this to the public? I mean, this is always part of the problem conveying very complicated information to people who are not college graduates or their graduate degrees are on subjects other than psychology and stuff like that. So I guess we look at E.T. and those who believe in UFOs, a lot of them accept E.T. because it is a concept that's easy for us to swallow. Convenient. It's convenient. Our culture is formed that way. But when you take stuff from a Jacques Vallée or John Keel or Carl Jung and you start talking about collective unconscious and ultra-terrestrials and dimensional portals and all this stuff, it gets to be something that causes your eyes to glaze over. So I guess the other part of the question that I would put into this is how do you convey this in a way, not dumbing it down, but just making it understandable? How do you take something, Paul, real complicated or obscure and get people psyched about it. I think that some people have a knack for that. I'm not sure if Jung was the first person that come to mind to that, but um, Kaku is someone who is really good at using, you know, he's got this theoretical physicist scientist head, yet he so easily communicates to the masses on, on the scientific theories that are very complicated, and he manages to put it across in such a way as you want to watch the show and people, many people who don't have a clue about physics probably like him and many people who are top physicists probably like to talk to him as well so it's, I think that you need people who can communicate like that definitely yeah take uh, complex subjects and, uh, and present them in a, an easy to understand manner yeah, yeah his books are written like that too his books are very good in that regard Politicians like to have that gift, don't they? So, well, the problem so, with politicians, though, it bothers me is there's so much steeped in sound bites. They say, "Well, of course, the TV networks, the cable news shows, they want to get five or ten seconds pithy comments, and so they will basically figure out the best way to present that comment. Doesn't matter; it has nothing to do with the issue under question. They have to have it distilled into that five, ten, twenty words." And how do you do that with UFOs beyond spaceships and that sort of thing? <laughs> well, that's a good question again. Um, 
like like you said, like I said, some people have this gift to do it, and others don't. I mean, it happens in every field. In singularity, some Kurzweil's a genius, but he, maybe someone could be better at communicating the thoughts than he than he is. And it's the same in um, ufology. I'm not sure. Not sure would be who you'd say would be the best at uh, communicating in the UFO field. Uh, do you have any ideas yourselves on that one? Well, Stan Friedman has had so much experience oh. that he's he's very good at it. I I yes. tend to disagree with a lot of his conclusions, but he does have a way of very uh, effectively in a easy to understand manner, uh, you know, present his his ideas and his information. He would be a a good model. I wish his name had come out of my head now. <laughs> That's a good answer. But yeah. again, well, he's spills too. Richard Dolan's thing, very good. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah, is, of course, Chris, is that someone like a Stan Friedman is still steeped in ET. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. in the galactic neighborhood, and they're doing this and they're doing that, and they think that we're a bunch of primitive fools. And it's a very elementary expression. Of yeah, I said what I didn't agree about. with his conclusions, but he's very good at uh, stating uh, stating the. Yeah. Sure. Position. I think we all agree on this then, because I agree that he's a good communicator, but I don't like his certainty about the F hypothesis, the ET, controlled nuts and bolts craft from other planets. So I think we all, we all agree on that one. I also wonder if some researchers do it that way, not because they necessarily harbor those beliefs, but because it's the best way to sell yeah. the subject. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Or give them what they need in order to get them interested, and then you hopefully can take them to the next level, which is, of course, what it's all about. How do we move them to the next level? Uh, well, the, the, all I've been doing is saying that we've got the accumulated cases, there's many of them, and now we've got to think about what are these crafts, and then if we can decide that, then we can move on to questions of why they're coming here and what have you. But at the, at the minute, we don't know whether they're artificial intelligence, secret human, time travelers, ET. And it's precisely this agnosticism that's necessary for science to be interested. So although it sounds like a, a, a bad position to take because you're not reaching a definite conclusion, I think it's the best position to be in right now. And uh, then scientists might get involved, like Kaku's impressed with Keane. And I think Leslie Keane, if I'm right, doesn't come to a conclusion, does she, about what theory what it is that these these craft are. She just says that they are unknown, intelligently controlled craft. Well, even that's making an assumption. Yeah, and she does kind of lean, I think, towards the ETH, although not 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 overtly. But, well, in, in, to answer my question, which is the, the one that Gene kind of restated, I, I think hard data monitoring is the only way that uh, we're really going to take this field further in, in the manner that you suggest. And, and that would be identifying areas that have a preponderance of activity and it tends to ebb and flow more frequently just get all your sensing equipment your triangulated camera arrays and your trained and vetted sky watchers and and a network of of you know people that are going to jump up if a sighting occurs and your monitoring equipment starts getting data you know having people go out and, and get footage from different angles let's say and uh, once you can triangulate on a particular event visually possibly with a radar unit or a magnetometer or gravimeter then you're going to have the kind of data that a scientist would go hmm that's interesting what do we have here lights in the sky 
uh, people out uh, partying in some lover's lane, seeing something fly by and they get a cell phone camera. A scientist isn't going to take that seriously. But if you have a very strict set of protocols, a very intelligently designed scientific um, program in place, I think that that is the quickest and easiest way to get scientific acceptance and involvement in studying this. And, of course, you have that stumbling block, which I am currently having to deal with, and that is getting the funding to put together a program like this. I'm, For your information, Paul, I am attempting to do exactly what I described uh, in the San Luis Valley where I investig- still investigate for almost 20 years now. And because the technology has advanced to a point where the cost points are down, I think it's actually doable now. For about $100,000, you can have a state-of-the-art almost monitoring program set up in a hotspot area like the San Luis Valley or places all over the world that this, you know, this could be a turnkey system that could be uh, dispatched and, and set up anywhere. So sort of to answer my own question, that that would be my suggestion. Um, instead of filing all this, you know, the National UFO Reporting Service, sure, you know, the ebb and flowing of, of reports is important to some degree, but it sure hasn't helped us move forward in the last 64 years. I think the release of documents and and, uh, you know, good physical trace cases, for instance, uh, have done more to move the field forward, really, than anything else. So We have to move forward. Paul Budding's the guest. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We progress to the final hour of the Paracast with Gene and Chris Paul Budding, a new voice on the UFO scene, but obviously he's done a lot of research. Paul, just a quick question as we go on here. Personally, do you personally buy ET as the final answer for UFOs? Uh, no, just a possibility. I was actually itching to uh, come on to that, <laughs> that that sort of question because I was wanting to say that um, the agnostic position isn't like a, a defeatist or a giving up position. It's getting us away from the, uh, um, the ET living myth hypothesis. It's getting away from that projection of fascination and all and thinking the E-team must be the answer because that's what we want to believe and what have you. And so I think the agnostic position, at least, although it's not the fantastic answer to it, which would obviously be infinitely better than anything else, um, but it's a realistic position and it's the one that 
um, more scientifically credible, I think, taking us away from the from the living myth, as we call it, in the paper. It sounded like a no, Gene. Uh, well, it's a possibility. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with being agnostic about the whole thing, yeah. because I think maybe one of the biggest problems we find in the UFO field is the fact that we go into it with expectations. We're looking for ET, let's validate it. And if we can sit back and go back and take a step away and say, we don't know what's going on, let's start from scratch and try to figure out what's going on. And if it's ET, so be it. If it's not ET, well, we'll look at what it might be. And yeah, and it's the, the problem is, I think it's good to distinguish from people who are just interested in the fascination of the issue, it's people who are wanting to be objective about it. And moreover, it's not agnosticism concerning is something out there. I'm pretty confident that there's something out there that's seen that's an intelligent craft. It's agnosticism about what it is. So that's a crucial distinction to make. Yeah, it's you're agnostic about jumping to conclusions about what intelligence may be behind it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, I think, sightings that are misconstrued as something um, intelligently controlled and possibly uh, mechanical in nature, um, especially at night when you have um, craft that are lighted up. And, of course, my, my question's always been, why do they have to turn lights on, um, light themselves up like a Christmas tree and, uh, and go sailing over the, the countryside? Uh, that's never really made much sense to me. But, of course, there is an answer to that. If there is some sort of plasma cloud around it, it it's going to be uh, giving off some sort of light. So that could be one possible explanation. But I think most people, when they see something, that they can't explain, I think that they, as you pointed out earlier, they tend to put the details of it into the experience and their memory of it uh, based on their expectations and based on their, their you know, unwillingness uh, to suspend their disbelief in, in many ways and, and just jump to a particular conclusion instead of being agnostic about it. But again, you know, we're kind of going around in circles here. Uh, I think hard data monitoring is the way to move this field forward, getting some people that are in a position to fund projects such as this, get them involved, get them excited, invigorated by the possibility of, of discovery, and move forward and start collecting real hard scientific data. Because the only way you're going to get scientists involved is if they have quality data that they can rely on to, to, uh, to work with. So... I think that uh, is really important. Let's figure out what it is, as you point out in your paper, before we try to jump ahead and figure out who it is, what is behind the actual mystery. I'm off my soapbox now, Gene. That's okay. So what's your response to that, Paul? I don't disagree with anything I heard there. I also think, I was going to add before, that I think politicians would be forced to show the field respect if uh, if it could, if the field could show its difference from the myth, the living myth. But this would need serious physicists and technologists and so forth. They would need to come forward. And uh, like I was saying before, people, not just the very top ones like Kaku, but people surrounding him that we haven't heard of, um, that sort of caliber people to come forward to endorse it. And I think they would, politicians would follow more of the scientists. But at the moment... Right. It's too toxic for politicians to address. Look what happened to Dennis Kucinich in the last the, the 2008 election when he was uh, at the debates and it had come out that, I think, who was it, Shirley MacLaine, Gene, that, that mentioned that uh, Dennis Kucinich had had a sighting. And I think it was uh, 
Chris Matthews popped a question in one of the debates, and everybody had a nice little chuckle at his expense. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's too toxic. It's it's a low status subject. Anyone that professes interest in this subject, uh, I think, politically, in a political uh, arena, is is really setting themselves up for a fall. Yeah, so I think that politicians can't or and won't come on to endorsing this um, subject until it gets scientific credibility. That's why, for example, you won't have a situation like with Dennis Kucinich. You know, he's thought of as being a crackpot anyway, even though, you know, he has a lot of things to say that a lot of people agree with. But they think of him as a crank, so they think of him as a crank, well, okay, so Shirley MacLaine is a bigger crank. There you go. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not Canadian the crank factor. There's a Canadian ex-defense minister's come out in, um, in favor of UFOs, so isn't there? Yeah, I'm Paul Hellyer. Mm-hmm. He has. Of course, it's well, ET. Very few and far between. Not very many. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. Ronald Canadian Reagan was very interested in the subject privately. Uh, Bill Clinton's uh, very interested in the subject privately. Of course, Jimmy Carter actually came out publicly and professed an interest in the subject. Of course, as soon as he was elected, that... Uh, <laughs> He did a, an abrupt about face on that one. Isn't that the way it always schema. goes? It's a problem with politicians, though. I mean, in the UK, I can't think of any. <laughs> right. Yep, that's that's true. There's, you're not going to get uh, your average politician. Uh, I think the ten foot pole that they're holding wouldn't even touch the subject. Actually, it's toxic. Uh, professing belief in a low status uh, subject like this is uh, political suicide, and and it's going to take a, a landing on the White House lawn to, to change change minds you know, and kind of make that a a moot point, if you will. Well, Why should they land on the White House lawn? <laughs> well, my answer is that well, more, scientific more scientific credibility would help. But like I was saying earlier, I think that um, the disclosure idea is a non-starter because they don't want to admit that the important here, they don't want to admit they're, they're clueless about what these craft are and at the same time have to admit what they have been doing um, regarding the nuclear facilities regarding um, virgin US airspace and over Congress in the 50s all this doesn't make any sense to admit that so the so politicians that um, are, do see what's going on to a certain extent are still not able to come out and say anything about it you know, Claiborne Pell was one that uh, uh, professed a, a, an interest in this subject privately, and I think C.B. Scott Jones, his, uh, I think, ex-Naval Intelligence Officer, who was one of his uh, assistants, um, was very involved in the subject uh, with the, the Peter Sturrock uh, Symposium, and uh, I think he's working now with Carol Rosen trying to get a, a, a weapons uh, space ban. Uh, for space-based weapons, but uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a a cold day in the Sahara before I think any politician comes out or like David Wilcock, uh, who's one of our um, exopolitics uh, tinged guys here in the U.S. He he made the big announcement that uh, I think uh, Barack Obama and what was it, Gene, uh, right around Thanksgiving was gonna he's already bought airtime and all the networks and was gonna come out with a 
hand in hand with an alien. Right, but that's the latest of a long line of theories. We hear that every few months. Well, this president or the previous president or the next one will come out with a statement about UFOs, and this is when it's going to happen. And that doesn't happen, but you always have the excuse. Well, they changed their minds at the last minute. They decided not to have this revelation because of one reason or another, or E.T. phoned them before phoning home and said, hey, folks, you can't do that. We're not going to allow it. So sorry about it. Forget about it. There's always an excuse when it doesn't happen. No excuses. We have Paul Budding on the show. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal like angels and miracles psychic phenomena ghosts ufos and much much more to receive your complimentary fate magazine call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com that's 1-800-728-2730 what are you waiting for your fate awaits gold it's like nothing else on earth from the romans through the renaissance from the industrial age to the space age gold has weathered the test of time for 6,000 years gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880. 9976. Call 800 880 9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. 
Don't let summer be a bummer. Stop sunburn pain, poison ivy, and mosquito bite itch, and the burn of athlete's foot with just one safe-all natural first aid product, Dermatol. Many GCN listeners have already discovered how effective Dermatol is as a natural, non-acidic way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many skin problems. Now this special offer. Buy one bottle of Dermatol. Get one bottle free. Call 1-800-217-6677 and mention GCN. Dermatol is the must-have first aid product for your preparedness kit made in america by americans dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed call 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 and ask for the gcn buy one get one free special or use coupon code gcn at checkout at dermatolusa.com spelled d-e-r-m-a-t-o-l-u-s-a.com efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. Paul Budding about new ufology. We're trying to get things off dead center here. Some people say the UFO field is toxic. I think I've said that, but a lot of people have said that. You're with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. So I'll raise that question. Some people just are so disgusted with the infighting in the UFO field, with the fakers, the frauds, they want to give it all up. Do you think it's all worth it? Well, it depends on the individual for that one. If, if they get something out of it, then it is definitely worth it. If they don't get anything out of it, it's not. I mean, when you look at some people who are mentioning Stanton Friedman, he's been working in the field for decades, yeah? Nick Pope in Britain, not for as long, but... Um, since the 90s he seems to be very happy doing what he does he goes on all the networks in the US I think um, not just in Britain around the world and I think he enjoys it fully yeah I think it's worth it for some people but um, if you want a definite answer maybe not (laughs) (laughs) boy that's hedging your bets there guy (laughs) that was good though I like that Gene uh, go ahead ask me that question you know what my answer would be the question is asked, what is your answer? Hell no. It's not <laughs> worth it. It is not worth it. That's why i am got a tar baby stuck to my face. I think we have you in this chair, and we have the ropes around your neck. And if you give up the UFO field, we will pull the ropes, making them very <laughs> tight. And soon you will cry, uncle, aunt, sister, brother, let me out of here. You know what saves me, Gene? I'm an anomalist. I, I look at all sorts of things, not only UFOs. I cringe when people refer to me as a ufologist, and I very rapidly correct them. You can call me anything you want, even late for dinner. Just don't call me a ufologist. Interesting question here I'll ask Paul about. Okay, do you have a day job? A day job? Um, well, I'm not a freelance writer, basically. So is that a day job? <laughs> if that's a day job, then yes. If it's not, no. Okay, so you write about stuff other than UFOs. Uh, yeah, um, don't, I haven't published books, but um, there's these two Jungian-type book publishers that I've advertised in 
purpose I like. So that's my main way of getting income. Okay. So what got you involved in UFOs, this crazy quilt field? Yeah. Have you ever had a sighting? Or are you an experiencer? No. Did uh, E.T. come and uh, like uh, visit you in the night? or? Well, if I take it back to when I was at university studying social science, um, I saw Young's books in the psychology section, uh, bit by bit, looking into, it, looking into his books. It was like a combination of academic, which I was used to, and also that esoteric meaning side of life combined. And I think that the UFO thing that I'm doing now is similar to that. It comes out of that, really. It's like I can focus on it academically. Yeah, it does also have, even for people who try to be objective about it, that feeling of uh, meaning towards it. It's not entirely divorced. So um, that's why I got into the UFOs, because it's an interesting topic, basically. Very interesting. Well, it could be, you know, paradigm-shifting, groundbreaking, uh, you know. I mean, if we do finally come up with some answers, which I don't think are going to happen in at least my lifetime, if we do come up with answers at some point, it's going to totally change everything. This is could potentially be one of the most important subjects ever addressed by humans, uh, especially if there is some sort of ET presence. Uh, perhaps all these theories may have some truth to them. Perhaps we are dealing with time travelers, uh, dimensional shifters, uh, returning dinosaurs that became spacefaring. Maybe they're coming back and trying to reclaim Earth. Uh, you know, you, you just there's so many possibilities, and, and, and this is such a complicated subject. I would be very surprised if a lot of these things were. You, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these things were going on simultaneously, and 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 secret black aircraft, and and collective unconscious projections of mandala images, and it's probably a huge uh, potpourri kind of evil brew, some sort of soup that's bubbling over in, in a cauldron with all these different elements in it. Uh, that, that's The further along I get, at least, in this field, that's my, I have that suspicion more and more. Mock my soapbox of, again. A lot of them are human technologically controlled. Like, for instance, stealth that was, well, when did that start? What, um, I don't mean when was it open. When was it se- when were they secretly flying? Uh, on the desert somewhere. I think they started in the late 70s or 80s and it was a whole decade before they were announced openly as uh, military craft. Yeah, that's one of the examples I give is if you saw a stealth aircraft in the the late 80s and you had your radio on and you couldn't hear an engine, you saw a UFO. And there you go. I haven't seen a UFO, so I don't know. Paul, do you think you're going to be doing this 40 years from now? You're 37. When you're 77... You're still here because people will be living forever when you're 77. Do you <laughs> expect this will be all solved? All solved? <laughs> um, probably not. Uh, too One could only hope. Because um, if, if, the solution, if the answer was the human technology, then probably not going to ever announce, announce that, so... That would be no. But if they're ET, that's probably no ET as well. So I'm very sceptical about it being solved in that sense. Uh, the, the best hope is not for disclosure from the president, though. It's from people like yourselves and others um, who, are, who might potentially be interested in this subject, realising there is something to it, and then looking into it themselves. And it, I think it coming from the ground up, I don't think it's a top-down solution. 
not not a top down meaning not top down from the president to the public. I don't think it'll get solved that way. So on on reflection of the question you asked, I'll slightly change it to if it if it was solved, it would be from the bottom up, from the, the public seeing that there is something to it. I mean, you need more people um, involved who, who are like the Richard Dolan and so on. I mean, he spoke at Leeds Metropolitan University, which is very close to where I live. And I didn't, re- I didn't realise that they would allow someone to come in and talk so openly about UFOs. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that would happen around here. So that's, I, I don't know if it's progress. I might be exaggerating there. Maybe it would have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But um, as far as I'm concerned, that was, about a, that was a first for me. No, that's progress. Yeah, I mean... I can't speak for the universities. You might have had them. Had ufologists coming in for years speaking there, but I was surprised, and I, I didn't. I wasn't there or anything. I just saw it on YouTube. Well, what are some of the theories that you've kind of um, pondered uh, and possibly even researched? I mean, do you have any any pet theories uh, that may be more, you know, more yeah. of the exotic pet theories uh, as opposed to black projects or or <laughs> yeah. um, manifested um, psychisms? A friend of mine's tried to convince me of uh, artificial intelligence combining it with a singularity theory of Ray Kurzweil, saying that these um, on other planets will be beings, you know, far ahead of us or what have you, um, who would have artificial intelligence by now. And so these aren't ETs, biological beings coming down all squishy; they're actually robots. <laughs> It sounds just as as bizarre as the original theory, though, doesn't it? That's the problem. I mean, it actually it, makes more sense to me. I'll tell you what it's makes it. sense: that we're talking to Paul Budding. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits. Magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches. First aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bale, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. 
Call 207-989-6783. 207-989-6783. Or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. The main name in military supply. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with pre-pass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without pre-pass waits in line. Save time. Save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try pre-pass free. That's 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at prizekitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. Prizekitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to prizekitchen.com. Great selection, low prices, free shipping. Prizekitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com, that's Z-E-O-King.com, for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We're back with Paul Budding. We're talking about the new ufology and where the field is going and how we can get the thing off dead center with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Chris, you want to pick up on this? Yeah, I I tend to think that um, some sort of robotic or mechanistic pilot would make more sense because of the vast distances that these craft would have to travel. And it would probably take quite a bit of time. Unless, of course, uh, they have broken Einstein's, uh, you know, pretty hard, fast rule of uh, of the speed of light. Faster than light travel has been uh, kicked around, but um, we do know that uh, non-locality and and quantum entanglement uh, has shown that that I think like particles can uh, be affected. Uh, you know, in a, in a faster than light manner, I think that's pretty much been proven. But, but to actually apply those pretty uh, outrageous, <laughs> you know, qualities, uh, quantum qualities, to a physical craft coming here from you know some other star system, uh, 
it almost negates uh, a biological pilot unless they were, you know, multi-generational pilots that uh, that were traveling here. And maybe the great, 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 great grandfather started out on the launch and it ends up being one of the progeny, you know, thousands of years later. So you're not assuming they have warp drive and get here in three days? Well, you know, again, that's not, uh, I guess, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But uh, again, that's that's really in the realm of science fiction right now. We, right now, with our level of understanding, uh, that's not a scientifically um, acceptable uh, possibility right now, based on my understanding of it. But I could be wrong. Maybe there are some, uh, some breakthroughs that have been made that have been, you know, divulged and made public. Maybe, you know, there is uh, FTL, faster-than-light travel. Uh, I don't know. But uh, as it stands now... I couldn't see how anything out there would think we were remotely interesting enough to come all that way to visit us and still be seen picking flowers and looking at rocks like they've never seen them before. You could throw something in orbit around this planet the size of a beer keg and find out anything you possibly want to know. So just the whole absurdity and, and the giggle factor, the trickster qualities of some of these pilots as they've been described, to me doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't um, jive with the the concept of, of aliens coming here from from another planet. I think we're you know like the guy Agent Smith in the Matrix when he said humans are a virus. I think we're detrimental. And if if they're interested in anything, it's the the wonderful biodiversity that the planet has, and we're actually in the way. Uh, we're we're very detrimental to that biodiversity. We're losing dozens of species uh, a year. Probably I think. A dozen a day or something. I forget what the figure is, but it's just, it's terrible. It's horrific. Or so, ET seeded us here. They're just watching their creation. Well, that's true. We could be like, uh, you know, an alien ant farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a possibility. The trickster phenomenon you referred to, where maybe UFOs fly around toy with pilots, it's always sounds more human like to me. But to get back to the, uh, the artificial intelligence theory, um, that wouldn't require anyone on board because according to Kurtzweil's singularity theory, uh, machines start to think for themselves. So um, the UFOs would be also the intelligence behind it. You know what I mean? There would be both the craft and the intelligence. Oh, so they're self-determined. Yeah, that would, that would, that's... Uh, someone's tried to influence me on that theory. Um, I haven't signed up to it fully, but it's just as convincing as any other for me. Well, I, I like Terence McKenna's theory that we already have aliens here, and they're called mushrooms, and they're here to help jumpstart consciousness, especially the magic mushrooms, the psilocybin, the, you know, with the, you know, the tryptamines, and that um, that they were seeded here. And mushroom spores, of course, are one of the few life forms that can survive the vacuum of space and live millions of years in a vacuum, and then actually become uh, mycelia, you know, spring into, uh, into action and become mycelia and then create more mushrooms. But I, I, I've always found that thinking very out of the box and very creative that um, aliens are already here and they're magic mushrooms. I, I love that. It has a ring to it. I don't know. <laughs> Boy, that was a conversation stopper, guys. Right, Paul. <laughs> what is your feeling about all this? Have you explored the trickster element, all these? They could be considered peripheral issues, but they might be core issues about the UFO mystery? The, the trickster issue is just what I said a moment ago, that I think that that's, that makes me think that human intelligence um, involved in any of them individual cases. Uh, however, the maneuvers of the craft 
would tend to differ. Again, though, you never know because he, you read things from Nick Cook about uh, craft that start time and space decades ago, and that's my um, conflict to have at the moment between Cook's theory and Hastings theories. So they're both very convincing. They're both very intelligent guys who've done their research, and it's hard to pick between the two. But I do see a conflict there. They haven't actually addressed each other. I don't think, as far as I know. Paul, just a question that occurs to me here. Do you hope to keep your research armchair? You look over the data, or do you want to go out in the field and see what's going on and try to find the evidence directly? Do you want to collect the evidence directly? Um, no, not at the moment. At the moment, the researcher type um, from home. But I get what you mean. Uh, one day, might decide to go out there and do a bit of field work. Well, that's a good point here. Do you think we need to do any more field work? Absolutely. Or is the information already out there and we just have to collect it and figure it out? Well, I think that in general, that's what I'm thinking at the moment, is that uh, the accumulated cases on top of one another, I can't see any point. Like you say, we've done. So, there's been so much of that done. So uh, your point's well made. I, I tend to agree that at the moment I, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any point in doing so. Well, I disagree. Uh, well, I disagree. I mentioned it off you before. I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it, you see. Yeah. So we, I, still, we still don't have the quality of hard scientific data that we need to really make a determination. Uh, and unless we throw technology and yeah. diagnostic technology at the issue, we're all we're going to be doing is looking at anecdotal reports. Occasionally we get lucky and there's radar returns, but that's uh, few and far between, and there's not much you can really learn from just a simple, uh, you know, painting by a radar. Well, yeah, if there's technology like Chris is saying, then that does change the game. So, but that's not something I've considered. It's not something I've just heard on this show today. <laughs> okay. Well, there's lots of ways to skin the old proverbial cat in Schrodinger's box. You know, we don't know if the cat's dead or alive, but we're sure going to skin him. That's that's the way I look at it. My my buddy Andrew, who's uh, he's a, a fellow Brit. He went to Oxford, has a master's in physics and mechanical engineering. He's a very bright guy. He wants to uh, get a surplus Stinger missile and just sit there and, and just bring one down. He, he says, oh, that's the way to do it. We'll just got to shoot one down. Then we'll, then we'll have some wreckage to look at, and maybe we'll be able to gain some scientific uh, you know, is it, understanding. So is he serious about that, then? Sometimes <laughs> I wonder. Well, yeah, but then look at the controversy here. Number one is... What's the impact? Would you shoot at them and have them shoot back at you? And there was a book out some years back called Shoot Them Down about instances in the 40s and 50s where we possibly fired at a UFO. So if you have this advanced craft with advanced propulsion, weaponry systems, you got to assume if we fire at them, they're perfectly capable of firing back, and we may not like the consequences. Yeah, but Stephen Greer has told us that these are all benevolent space brothers, and they are not hostile. So they would take it and uh, and come down and and uh, maybe maybe spank us. Uh, sure, they'll spank us. Maybe they'll level a few cities. That's a good way to spank us. Oh, you want to fire at us? Okay, let's just take out New York City. Okay, mm, Los Angeles. 
No, I think they'd target the individual with the stinger that fired it. I think that uh, they'd say, okay, you just earned your anal probe. Paul Bunning is our guest this week. We have one more segment to come with Gene and Chris on The Paracast. <laughs> So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been, thankfully, the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. What kind of probe? Well, this is a family radio show. We will not convey the image any clearer than it already is. Paul Budding about new ufology. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. And we're trying to wrap it up here. So let me ask you an interesting question here. If you discovered that all this UFO stuff was just misidentified conventional objects, as the debunkers have said all along, would you feel disappointed? Yeah, I think a, a bit, a little bit, but not so much as to um, feel devastated or why they're going to listen and all of that. Because, well, as far as, far as I can see, there would be a, there would have been good reason to look into it. I mean, some of the people who have been told um, who have told us that there's been UFOs over the missiles, nuclear missile sites in America, are very well qualified to say so. So if it all came out as wrong, I would be thinking, well, I was misled by extremely well-qualified people into thinking that there was something to this phenomenon. So I wouldn't feel embarrassed because I would still feel I was able to say why it was that I thought what I did. Um, But there would be just a a tad disappointment, you know, if it was just all natural phenomenon, I suppose. Yeah, but I I think that that's an unrealistic question, Gene, because... I don't think that there's any possibility of that being true. There's just too much good evidence to support, you know, the contention that there is something flying around in our airspace that we have not identified and that the government knows and that they're, you know, they can't do anything about it. So they're like ostriches uh, sticking their heads in the sand. They just don't want to deal with it. So, Well, the other I question think- I was asking is to get his attitude towards the subject, not so much the reality. I don't think we expect right. there to be no answer. We expect there's going to be an answer out there. And somehow we have to figure it out. But the other question is, and I'll pose that with you, Paul, which is, what does the government know? What do they really know? Do they know anything? Or is it more than just hiding their heads in the sand, but just refusing to consider it? They haven't the clue. I think they know that there's something to the phenomenon. They know that, my, my, my view is that uh, Clinton's quotes expressed it quite well. He said... Sarah, there's a government inside the government and I don't control it. Um, I think that that suggests that uh, he's wondering, oh, there's something to this. I'm quite interested. I'm interested in everything, maybe. That's what Hillary Clinton thinks Bill's like. She thinks that he's interested in everything. But I think they don't want to say the president can't have a disclosure because he knows that he knows what he doesn't know. He knows that he's not aware of of, of, are they hostile or not? I mean, it can't be absolutely certain. He maybe thinks they're not because they haven't done anything yet. 
but they've been messing with they've been messing with the nuclear missiles in America, deactivating them apparently. And as I mentioned, the other example I like to give is the Congress lights that they've chased uh, UFOs time and time again. They haven't been able to catch them, so they're superior technologically. So I think that no president can come out and disclose this because although they might know that there's something going on, they don't know what it is, and they only know that it's superior. So that, that would well, be the answer. And they're probably compartmentalized out of the, the main loop of the insiders who really know uh, the most, I'm assuming here. Why is that possibly the presidents don't have a need to know uh, yes. some of this stuff. That's why Clinton made the comment that he did, because he doesn't know what is going on. I think most of this information, at least in my opinion, is within the departments of defense, uh, within the aerospace companies, some of your research think tanks, uh, I think know a lot more than your average president or politician. I don't think that yeah. they're classified high a high enough level to uh, to be in the loop. I'm, I'm aware That's that... That's George Bush. I thought we were coming to the need-to-know point, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm not... But then that just pushes the question a bit further um, these people who know who don't say anything to the president it's how much they know I'm not sure if I'm not sure if they have every answer to these questions that you like to understandably like to raise no they know a lot more than we do that's why they're that much more confused yeah uh, yeah more confused therefore yes well that would be the other issue here with regard to presidential knowledge or any government leader anywhere now obviously here you know, the effect wouldn't be as serious, but you have to imagine what's going to happen in a totalitarian government. If there was any evidence that the emperor, the king, whoever, whatever, they weren't told, what are they going to do? Ooh. Ouch. That would be scary. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that uh, tantrum. So, so the question is, what would a totalitarian leader do? Sure, yeah. What would Gaddafi do? <laughs> you know? Um... That's that's um, beyond the noise. It's beyond our modern Western culture, I suppose. We're not quite sure how they think. It's easier blame to blame it on the gin. It's easier to imagine how um, I don't know, a British or American prime minister or president would react than it is um, Libyan president. I would say. It's hard to yeah, imagine. The Chinese. How about the Chinese? I mean, the largest UFO group on the planet is uh, half a million people belong to a UFO group in China. Yeah, I bet I mean, you the Chinese know a lot more than they're letting on. There's some um, societies like North Korea that are so secretive that they sound like a fictional text when you read newspaper articles on them. So we're not quite sure how, how they think and how their culture would react, their society would react and so on. But we know from America, for instance, because um, not... Well, you might argue this because it was a long time ago, but the War of the Worlds message on the radios at New Jersey showed that there was some panic then. And people say, well, maybe we've got more mature now and react the same way, but um, the Milgram experiment has been repeated since, and people say, well, we'd react different now to that, and we haven't. So I'm not sure that too much changes in them regards, the psychological reactions. So I think, I think there's something in the... Um, in that, that some people would be panicked by it, those with a conservative mindset psychologically, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, well, I think people are, have been programmed by the media and by pop culture enough to uh, 
I think it's different from when it was back when Orson Welles did that that infamous broadcast in thirty. Uh, I think it was thirty eight. But uh, I think kids now, if you ask the average ten to fifteen year old, are there aliens? They go, sure, there are aliens. Lots of aliens, man. Haven't you ever seen Star Wars? Or you know, yeah, well, there's some, bars of course, and all the different theory, types of aliens Chris hang is, out and drink weird shots. And Chris, the theory, of course, is that there are elements in some of those movies to get us ready. Like Close Encounters, for example, or E.T., you know, warm and fuzzy E.T.'s. Any of these movies have elements to get us acquainted with the concept and the reality that E.T. is there and they're visiting us and they might land soon because that's the entire issue here. Is disclosure dependent on someone revealing what they know or that force revealing what they are? I would say it's that force revealing what they are. And um, also... Like I was saying earlier about um, people, respectful scientists getting into the field, um, make it more and more and more more conformist, familiar, easy to accept, more mainstream. And then I think people start to accept. But this sounds a heck of a lot more simple just to say it than it actually happening now. (laughs) I don't don't expect that to happen overnight. So disclosure could be a decades-long process. Paul Budding, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things you do. Um, so I've got a DocStock website. Uh, do, you, do you mean to give addresses over the radio? Give you a web address, yes. Ah, right. Um, it's http dot dot www dot docstock dot com forward slash profile forward slash Paul. Buds, that's B-U-D-D-S. And what about the UFOinstitute.org? Right, yeah, yeah, that one. Make sure I get it right. You know, get one letter wrong. All right, well, the UFOinstitute.org, isn't that a good place to find what you do? Yeah. Okay, so let's just go for UFOinstitute.org. And by the way, we have a link over at theparacast.com so our listeners can find it and they can get a hold of the information about you, your blogs, your work, everything else. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, I'll be at the MUFON International Symposium in Irvine, California this weekend. So if you're there, grab me and say hello if you're in the neighborhood. Also, I have a website, OurStrangePlanet.com. And you can find me lurking around at forum.theparacast.com. And I want to thank Paul for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to more papers from you, Paul. Oh, sure, yes, I'm trying to write one very soon. I haven't decided exactly what on, but maybe it will come from some of the issues raised in this interview. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.